wraps up everything as we draw closer to a finally official 2020-21 NHL season. We wanted to discuss our Christmas Blues wish list in this holiday episode. But first, we'll discuss the not-so-shocking news that Alex Steen has retired from the NHL. But even firster than that, Stephen will check in live from the future, which was the present at the time and will be the past when you're hearing this, to cover any news we missed after this pre-recorded episode. It's a lot to cover, so let's get started and let's go blues. Hey everybody, this is Steven. Uh, it is uh, December 26th, Boxing Day, as I sit here and speak right now. Um, this is an episode that I told you would come on Christmas Eve and I failed to get it out, so my apologies for that. Uh, holiday stuff got crazy, as I'm sure it does for a lot of people, and it became uh, Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day before I knew it, and then I was sitting there in the afternoon today thinking, oh crap, I never got that out. So here it is, trying to get this out. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got um, a, not a lot of news that wasn't covered on our uh, bonus episode the other day that was a solo with me, so I won't uh, take much of your time before throwing it to uh, Ian and myself from the past, but a few things that I thought were worth um, covering really quickly. The first being the schedule is officially out. Um, you know, it makes sense that they did it this way, but a lot of uh, extended sort of uh, visits in, in one town at a time, you know, pretty much always two games uh, against a team in a location at a time. So we start on the 13th with a game against Colorado. Then we have a game against Colorado on the 15th. Both of those are in Denver. And we come home to host the Sharks and the Kings. And all of these games are, you know, two games in three three days for the most part. Um, little mini series, serieses, which uh, Ian made the good point on Twitter. And you know that I am loath to ever give Ian any credit. Um, but uh, Ian made the very good point on Twitter that this is uh, a, a lot like kind of a, a playoff primer in a way because – you're facing these teams so much in, in little, you know, windows of time that it is a lot like having a playoff series where one game's results may determine how you come out and coach the next game. And and his his whole point, and I think I agree with it, is that it's really going to be more a measure of your coaching staff than even your players this season, which I think is appropriate. I think that's true. And I think it's kind of exciting to me because you know, I have no issues with Craig Berube. Obviously, he turned helped turn this team around and win them the Stanley Cup, and uh, I'm extremely grateful for that. But with that said, I'm still not convinced he's necessarily an elite coach. I think he's a fine coach who's a good player motivator, but not necessarily a brilliant strategist. And I think it'll be interesting to see how he and his team handle this season um, with everything going on, with all the COVID stuff. Obviously, he's got Jim Montgomery. 
uh, back with um, an NHL team. And that'll be nice to have a guy that served in that head coach role. And then, you know, apart from uh, his own struggles, which we're so glad he, you know, got treatment for and, and was able to hopefully, you know, basically overcome for the time being, uh, or, you know, hopefully permanently, but has overcome and is, is battling. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm really thrilled that the Blues gave him a second chance, but I think it'll be great to have his presence on the bench there and, um, you know, playing uh, a key role in the coaching staff alongside Steve Ott and Mike Van Ryn. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, Ian is right that it's an interesting test of the coaches. And then, you know, there's some interesting stretches in March. Every Friday and Saturday is a back-to-back, which will be fun. Um, you know, it's uh, the Kings two times on the road on the 5th and 6th, the Golden Knights on the 12th and 13th at home, the Sharks on the 19th and 20th, and the Ducks on the 26th and 27th. Um, and then, you know, in um, late April, you get three games in a row against Colorado, then three games in a row against four games in a row against Minnesota, followed by two games against the Ducks and two games against the Golden Knights to close the season, which is a back-to-back on the 7th and 8th of May, I believe. Uh, I believe every team is playing on the 8th except for one. I think I read that in passing, but don't absolutely quote me on that um, because I read it in passing, so who knows? But uh, that could be a fun event, and, you know, overall, it's just good to have hockey back. So Ian and I will probably dig deeper on, um, you know, some of that scheduling stuff and talk more about that when we reconvene, hopefully this upcoming week, once he's back in town. Um, and that'll be cool, you know, be good to have him back and be able to talk about actual hockey that's actually happening. Um, and then we have, you know, two weeks until two potential podcast weeks until the start of the season. Uh, so I don't know exactly what that'll look like. Usually we like to do every division and preview them. Uh, we may have to do two at a time this year or figure something out, but that'll be kind of up in the air and we'll figure that out as we go. Um, but that's kind of the big league updates. And I don't think I'm forgetting anything. I'm pretty sure we covered uh, the O'Reilly news on the solo episode that I did a few days ago. If we did not, um, you know, it'll be uh, something that Ian and I discuss in more detail, I'm sure, when he comes back. But a couple of uh, other signings around the league to talk about real quick um, that have happened over the last few days as uh, teams are kind of trying to figure out um, their uh, roster and uh, finalize things. Carl Soderberg signed a one-year, $1 million deal with Chicago. I think that's a good deal. Uh, he's a good player. He's older now, obviously, but he can play center and wing and still has some gas left in the tank. And obviously there's, you know, that old adage that there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. Um, that's not going to haunt them because they have the space for it now. Slater Cuckoo signed a one-year $850,000 deal with Edmonton. Our old friend and Stanley Cup champion, Michael Belzato, uh, went to Columbus on a an undisclosed deal yesterday on Christmas Day. Somehow, the Tampa Bay Lightning signed Anthony Sorelli for three years, $4.8 million per season, uh, because the salary cap simply does not exist there. I'm sure Ian and I, Ian and I might discuss that more in the future. They also signed Eric Cernak, 
and Jan Ruta, two, three, and two-year deals, respectively, uh, at a combined uh, about $4.3 million. So, you know, just somehow finding nine over $9 million, $9.1 million, um, in cap space, just out of the blue. So, you know, whatever. Uh, Ryan Miller returns to the Anaheim Ducks, checking one of the boxes of potential veteran goalies that the Blues could sign. The Nashville Predators being the greedy, rotten bastards that they are, signed both Eric Halla and uh, re-sign Mikhail Granlund for one-year deals, a combined um, $5.5 million for those two. Uh, you know, I would have I've, I've been pretty vocal on Twitter that I would have liked to see the Blues get either of those guys and preferred both of them to Mike Hoffman, because I think they're a little more versatile and can do more of the things that the Blues need up and down the lineup. Um, my concern with Hoffman is that they will have him. He's really a power play specialist. I mean, he's he's pretty, pretty garbage on even strength and. You know, granted, that's been with bad teams, and your argue one argument could be, well, if he's got good teammates and good line mates, they can pick him up more. Um, the flip side of that, uh, to me, is that good teams don't really have space for power play specialists. They need guys that are more well-rounded than that and have more to offer. Um, and you know, I, my fear was signing Hoffman. If you do it for a one-year deal, I'm fine with it. It makes sense. We need goal-scoring help whatever. But my concern with him is you sign him to fill this Tarasenko gap that you think you have right now. And then Tarasenko potentially returns as early as, you know, mid-February or something. And then where does Hoffman go? What's his role if Tarasenko is fully healthy and scoring goals again? Uh, you know, Hoffman loses a lot of this value. So I certainly wouldn't want to see them commit to him for more than a year. Uh, I'm not that wild about bringing him in on a, a one-year deal, but if they do, you know, it's it's obviously no harm done. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not, I know there are people on Twitter that are hot, hot, hot for Eric, for Eric, uh, for Mike Hoffman, just not something that means as much to me for sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think the, the last thing that I wanted to mention, uh, that I could kind of a question that I have is, are the boys going to go out and sign somebody, uh, to a, uh, deal, with um, like a veteran goalie that they need for their uh, three goalies. Each team is required to uh, have three goalies included on their taxi squad. Um, so, you know, we might need a third. We do need a third goalie unless we're willing for John Gillies to fill that role, uh, which seems pretty short-sighted to me. If I was the Blues, I would certainly consider going out and grabbing one of Jimmy Howard, uh, Corey Schneider, which would be obviously a much riskier play because of his injury history. Uh, but you could make an argument that he's motivated to get back at it and, and do it. Um, and then, uh, the third veteran right now that is out there is Craig Anderson, the former uh, Ottawa Senator, longtime Ottawa Senator. None of those guys are going to, you know, move the needle for the team necessarily, but with questions about whether Huso can really shoulder the load of the NHL right now. And, um, you know, even about Jordan Bennington's performance of the bubble, uh, although I'm, I'm much less concerned about that. Um, yeah, I just I think it's worthwhile to go ahead and, and try and 
get one of those guys and just bring some of that solidity with, you know, they might've done that anyway with a PTO uh, had the season, not had this taxi squad thing to give Billy that little, little bit of motivation like they once did with Brian Elliott. Of course that worked out um, in such a way that Brian Elliott became one of the best goalies in team history. So, uh, you know, I don't think that's likely with either of those guys. They're a lot older than Elliott was at the time, but I would like to see them go get one of them. I'm pretty indifferent. I think I'd probably lead Jimmy Howard slightly, but um, I just think having that better in depth is going to be important there in a season that's got a lot of back-to-backs, got a lot of um, a lot of question marks, and you don't want to be in a situation where Jordan Bennington gets injured or, or God forbid, gets COVID, um, you know, and unless he was one of the players that kind of already had it in the bubble, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't shock me, but um, – either of your goalies really gets COVID and then you've got one that has to go through this slog of a season pretty much without a backup for two weeks because John Gillies has played, I think, like eight NHL games and, um, you know, is really just an AHL goalie at this point with due respect to him. And so um, not a guy, 12 NHL games, uh, not a guy that I think you would want to rely on heavily. So, that's my thoughts on that. Um, and really, that's all I've, I've got to say before we kind of go back in time and, and go through this Christmas episode. You can hear uh, Ian and I talk about Alex Steen's retirement finally um, and some other things that are more fun and seasonal. So uh, that's really all I wanted to say before I get out of here and, and give you the episode that was originally recorded. I just wanted to apologize for um, the. Uh, delay having said that it was going to be on the 24th obviously it was not so my apologies for that Uh, but with that said without further ado let's go ahead and travel all the way back in time to like december 17th when ian and i were so much younger and had so much more hope no just kidding Uh, we have always been miserable but uh yeah thanks for listening everybody i will throw it there uh merry christmas again i know it's a little late and happy boxing day happy holidays it's still a festive time of year we're still going to have lots of fun so eat your leftovers enjoy your gifts and, and we'll talk soon hey doc you better back up we don't have enough road to get up to 88 roads Where we're going, we don't need roads. Mike DeLorean? Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys, One Cup podcast. It is currently... December 17th, but you are probably hearing this on December 24th, Christmas Eve. Ian, it's Christmas Eve right now as we're talking. How does that make you feel? And Santa is on his way. I know. And, Where you do you know, think Santa starts? I, I mean, uh, he starts in America, let's be real. Pole, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Where's his first stop? Oh, yeah, he starts in America because America's most important. I mean, that's obviously, a skips right <laughs> over Canada. Yeah, no. Goes to America. <laughs> No, Canada doesn't get shit. Canada's an afterthought. That's when it right. pushes up and goes back up. That's why they haven't won a Stanley Cup in 48 years because <laughs> Santa keeps giving them on Christmas. They're, they're, they're asking them. They ask them every year. Yeah, they beg for it, but nope, nope. 
Justin Trudeau and Santa Claus cannot be in the same country for legal reasons. So, you know, if Justin wants to move out, then Santa can come back, but them's the rules. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we're here. Uh, It's, uh, well, you know, like like we mentioned last episode, and like we mentioned this episode with travel and stuff, uh, you know, and and just the holiday season being busy for everybody, we weren't going to necessarily find a time to record live new episodes but wanted to give you something to listen to in your ear holes um and so you know decided we could record a couple in advance and put those out for you and so naturally because we had decided this uh a major piece of blues news broke shortly after recording our first episode because why wouldn't it and why would it not i know steve dangle and podcast and co talk about news always breaking like right after they finish recording on their live, you know, on their live weekly or bi-weekly episodes. And this felt a lot like that. But um, obviously, I don't think Alex Steen planned his retirement around our podcast schedule, but it would have been nice, Alex. Uh, but no, that was the big news that came down on Thursday morning. So the morning as we are recording this, but not the morning that you are hearing this, Alex Steen, uh, after 15 incredible seasons in the NHL and 1,000 one 1018 nhl games i believe steen mm-hmm. called it a career and retires from the nhl uh due to i think it said degenerating herniated discs which sounds unpleasant yeah, um, sounds extremely painful so yeah please yeah. retire uh steen had had a uh, a baby last night so i don't know if that was just more or less kind of coincidental that this happened the very next day and that was always the plan or if they had uh, something to do with one another but Steena new father I don't was this his first I never could find out I don't know for sure not not that you can't have a baby before you're married but I know he recently got married in the last couple years so yeah but I think you're right I feel like this is like a second kid but uh, whatever the case, welcomes a newborn into the world who will be drafted in 2039. And uh, yeah, retires from the NHL because of the back injury that he sustained in the 2019-20 season. Um, as the Blues put it, multiple levels of degenerative, degenerative herniated discs of his lumbar spine. <laughs> well, <laughs> yikes. There's nothing like a medical medically precise jargon to comfort you and make you think feel like things are less severe you know um yeah it could have been like a toenail injury and they'd have like five long words where you're like oh they're gonna have to amputate right (laughs) that sounds bad (laughs) a you an ingrown cuticle infarction in his right you know (laughs) obular toe or whatever (laughs) you're like oh god (laughs) uh uh, a quote from Steen on uh, stlouisblues.com. This has been an emotional process, but as I look back on my years in hockey, I would like to thank our organization, our city, our fans, and my teammates, as I am so proud of all the teams I was part of. Um, the 36-year-old blue forward finishes his career with 1,018 career NHL games, uh, split between the Blues and the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> suck at Maple Leafs. Steen recorded 245 goals and 377 assists for um, 454 points. That doesn't add up. What am I missing there, Ian? Uh, I, <laughs> I think 454. Maybe that's his total. Um, we'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. In a 15-year career, 
15 season career that included a Stanley Cup championship with the Blues in 2019, as well as a silver medal with Team Sweden in uh, 2014 at the Olympics, uh, where he had a goal and three assists in six games. Steen first arrived in St. Louis in November uh, of 2008 after being acquired along with defenseman Carlo Koliakovo in a trade that sent Leaf Stipniak to the Maple Leafs. Steen ranks fourth in Blues history in games played, 765, ninth in goals, 195, sixth in assists, 301. So uh, I still don't know where 454 comes from. Um, and fifth in points, 496. Only two Blues, Brett Hull and Alex Petrangelo, have played more playoff games with the franchise than Steen, who appeared in 91 postseason context contests which is an insane number um and now with steen's retirement uh the blues currently have no captain or alternate captains on the active roster uh with tarasenko also uh, projected to be a long-term injured reserve when the season starts so ian with all of that kind of said uh all of the formal stuff said how what was your initial response to this news uh, which I don't think we can exactly qualify as a shock uh, because, you know, I, it, it felt like the rumors in the bushes were kind of saying, yeah, he's definitely going to miss most, maybe all of the season. Um, so, you know, it doesn't seem like you can really qualify it as, as a total surprise, but still a guy who played um, 765 games here and, uh, and, you know, has been a blue for basically as long as I can remember. What what was your reaction to this news? Yeah, I mean, I was shocked. I'll tell you real quick, though, because I've looked it up. Um, I looked it up real quick for you. So on the Blues website, it says on that little blurb, it says 245 goals, 377 assists. And that says 454 points, which is what I copied. But I believe you. But no, but then his career is 245 goals, 377 points, and I'm like 622 or 377 assists and 622 points adds up that way. And I was like, where's the 454 coming from that their intern wrote down? I'm sure the 454 minutes. Fantastic. Someone skipped uh, a couple of columns. <laughs> I just saw that too on the on the hockey reference. So yeah, 622 career points. Uh, in a 2018 <laughs> games and a very respectable 554 penalty minutes. Yeah. Um, I was just saying, I said I was shocked by this news. I guess shocked initially, obviously, and then it made obviously a ton of sense within a minute. It was just, I forget that he was even 35, going to be 36 or is 36 currently. It's like, um, I still think of him as old, but like on the younger side of 30s, in my head, he's like perpetually 31, where it's like, yeah, he's not young anymore, but he's not washed up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's like 36. He's had a long career. I mean, he came into this league in 2005. Um, that's sort of the thing you forget, too, is like, in my head, I think he started in 2008 with the Blues. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, he played four whole seasons prior to that. Um I want to say I saw his first game here. If I didn't, I saw like one of his first like five games here. It's like the first game, Blues game I went to like after the lockout. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't go to many games the couple of years right after that, any at all. Um, yeah, it's it's the end of an era. This was kind of the end of like a real era because like Allen was gone. He was a ten long tenured Blue. Petrangelo was gone. He was a long tenured Blue. Steen is now like the last tenured Blue from pre-2010 now it's Schwartz and Tarasenko who are like the longest tenured blues and um 
it's kind of like losing another captain, honestly. I mean, he was an assistant captain, but it's like it feels like you're losing a heart and soul guy. Even if he wasn't playing, you know, tons of minutes, he was definitely a big presence in the locker room. Um, it's uh, He'll be missed. He'll be missed. I think even his play, even though he's, you know, was 36, wasn't getting as many minutes, he was a great defensive forward, uh, even in his older age. Uh, some of the offense had gone away, but I think he'll – think he'll be sorely missed. I'll miss him. Uh, it just feels, it'll feel odd. I think having Petrangelo and him both gone at the same time and then Bo Meester too, when it hits you that he's not even here anymore, it's just like this really weird, like complete changing of the guard. Like you had O'Reilly, you have Shen, you've got these guys that are leaders here, but it just feels like um, there was always kind of a second layer behind them or like old and new. And now the, the old is gone and it's just the new pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was thinking about it just a minute ago, and it feels like, to me, you know, we we met in probably what two thousand six or seven, and you were kind of a big influence on me in becoming a Blues fan. And so I feel like, you know, in that that was high school for us. Graduated oh nine. Not thrilled to say that, but it is what. It is. <laughs> And so he came here the very next season. And, you know, obviously I was, I was always like passively a Blues fan and that I never cheered for any other, uh, you know, hockey team. Um, but yeah, it really felt like that period, especially in college is when I really start remembering like, okay, now I'm all in, now I'm watching, now I'm, you know, reacting to trades and, and things like that. So I don't specifically remember his trade happening but I was thinking about it and I, I definitely don't remember really actively rooting for a team that Alex Steen wasn't on, you know, like I, I know that I did at least passively support the teams before that. And I remember some of the Demetrius stuff and some of that era as well, you know, when I was really young, but like Alex Steen is kind of the, the guy who has been there the whole time that I have been really what, you know, any form of, of, solid or or increasingly hardcore blues fan and so like it, it sucks you know it sucks that players get older and they have to retire it, it is part of the game but it does feel like you know Bacchus left a long time ago oh she got traded Perron has been back and for several times so it feels like he's a little bit different you know and and now in my mind he's kind of that guy um but you know Petrangelo left Allen left like all of these guys that have been there so long are gone now and Steen retiring is kind of the last nail I'm like oh the first generation of your blues fandom is sort of over now you know? Yeah, no, yeah it feels like you're entered- middle middle-aged blues fan. oh no i know no it's like adult blues fan yeah. um yeah it's weird too because i think i don't know i mean i'm trying to think of top 10 blues all time in my head and so i don't know you could argue and say that we lost two top 10 blues historically in petrangelo and steen you know in the same span of like a month and a half or whatever two months and that's pretty crazy. I mean, granted, like, you know, Steen wasn't what he used to be and Petrangelo, you know, with cap implications or anything, couldn't like keep him around, but it's just like you think about it and it's like, those are huge impact players historically for your team um, that are gone or retired. And it's just crazy to think that when you're watching those players, you don't really think about it. And then, you know, you can look back on their careers here and just think, wow, that was a player that I, I kind of almost took for granted being here. Like it's mm-hmm. not going to be the same 
without them, whether it be in the locker room or on the ice. And it's, it's going to change the makeup of the team. I mean, really, I'm glad we have O'Reilly and I'm glad we have some other leaders here because I think Steen was talked about as being such a strong voice in the locker room. I think if you didn't have that and you left, it was going to be kind of a void. Um, and I could see a team. I really could see a young team because we have a kind of younger team these days, um, at least forward-wise, too, like just falling. I could see them falling into a, a kind of hole where it's like we don't really have a direction here. So I'm glad, glad we have somebody there for it, but it's just to speak to uh, Steen's presence on this team. And I think given what he said about the city and how much he's liked it here, I, I could easily see him slotting somewhere into a front office role or even, you know, a coaching role at some point in time, you know. Um, probably not anytime soon with young kids, but just seems like that would be an easy fit for him. I think Armstrong said that on his call today, like Steen, Steen has a hockey mind and could fit anywhere within this organization if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Army has been really good about getting and keeping people that they want to stay. And I, I hope he does because, you know, he, he could certainly be, if he wants to stay state stateside and stay in the area, um, he could certainly be that kind of long-term influence that you see like a Bobby Plager or somebody who's, whose legend kind of even overgrows his, um, his kind of actual impact on the ice, which is not to minimize his impact on the ice in any way. Cause I don't think that's, you know, really fair or true. He was a phenomenal player, but like, you know, his, his significance to the franchise feels like it's so much more than that. And it feels like his, his journey as a blue is kind of the, kind of mirrors the Blues journey as a team of like he came in in 09-10 when they were just really kind of moving from rebuilding into semi kind of pretend contenders um and you know then he kind of peaked in in 15-16 you know or Mm 14-15 I think were his best years where he had like 120 points in like 140 games or something like that um but um you know, he had that. So, and then, you know, Bacchus left and it feels like, okay, he kind of winded down and the, it wasn't as good. And then, you know, he had this miracle season where he became this kind of fourth line sensation and we won the cup and now he's retiring and it feels like it was just kind of perfectly modeled after everything. And yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of what's most important to me. And this is something that had been on, on my mind a lot, you know, over the last couple of, of years and seasons is like, it's just, it feels like I don't want current fans to kind of underestimate his impact. And, and I feel like people who are coming on, you know, especially if they're more cup bandwagon fans, which, you know, nothing against those people, but um, you know, but even, even some people who are, who are really focused on and fixated on the, um, the uh, you know, kind of cap aspect of things and the, the contract are going to say, well, you know, he's it's it's kind of good that he's gone because now we've got this freedom, which we'll talk about the specifics in a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, I think he is a hugely important player for the franchise, even beyond what his numbers suggest and, and what, you know, his on ice performance suggests and and, you know, from going through everything to, you know, kind of his hatred of Ken, Ken Hitchcock all the way up until now. <laughs> You know, he's been a, a kind of iconic player for the team. And and I don't want people to forget that just because he didn't end on top or like on his own terms, you know. Mm-hmm. Was retirement thrust upon Alexander Steen? Or did he choose retirement? A little bit. Yeah, I think it was thrust <laughs> upon him. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it, it's just important to me that people consider how good he is overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there are cap implications to this as well. And, and we were a team pressed up against the cap planning on dealing with it with, uh, um, long-term injured reserve. So why don't you walk us through some of the cap implications? Yeah, there was some back and forth between Jeremy Rutherford and Elliot Friedman uh, this morning about what this all meant for the Blues cap. And I think there's there's still some factors that are left undetermined, but I think Cap Friendly summed it up nice by kind of giving two different scenarios, um, both of which could happen and both of which don't look so bad for the Blues. Uh, they tweeted out, the NHL Blues now find themselves in a very interesting situation with regards to their salary cap. They're currently projected at $1.175 million over the ceiling with a roster of 21. However, they also have RFA Vince Dunn, who is still unsigned. If Steen is placed on an off-season LTI and no additional changes are made to the current roster, they would have roughly $4.575 million in cap space to sign Dunn and any other roster moves they have in mind before the last day of camp. However, unused space is lost once the season starts. If, however, the club is able to temporarily shed the $1.175 million before training camp ends and still has a roster of at least 20 players, then placing Steen on LTIR once the season begins would give them the full $5.75 million, which they could use for the rest of the season. So to me, this feels like either way, because some people are saying, oh, it's the, the, his cap comes off the books now because he's retired. Then some people saying, oh, not really. Like you, it depends on if he essentially just retires, um, retires in like writing or if he retires just like in word, you know, he's like, I'm retired, but I'm just going to wait out the end of my contract and you can throw me in as an injured player, treat me as yeah. such. Or if he's going to like sign and be like, I am retired. And then they would like, I think it has something to do with like, they either get it all off the books or there was like, they get 80% of it off the books or something like that. Um, but again, even if you keep him on, as a player, whereas cap is against us, you can put them on LTIR like they'd already planned to do, and they'll disappear anyways. Um, this leaves you with some flexibility to sign Dunn, who I think people project like 2.5, 3 million, something in that range. Uh, I'm sure the Blues will get it done unless they have a, a Armstrong trade uh, right before the season. You know, much like a Justin Fo- or a, much like a Justin Fox trade if Dunn gets moved out. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. I don't think it's likely, but. There's that, and then there's the uh, having room to possibly sign someone like a, a Mike Hoffman, which is, you know, being bandied about again. You have some space that gets, you know, put back on once Tarasenko uh, returns, but again, that's that's independent of Steen's money that they'd have off the book. So it looks like they have a little more flexibility, which would be really nice. I just don't know if uh, Armstrong's going to weaponize it or not. Yeah, I mean, I think the nice thing is it gives you – the space to give Vince Dunn a nice contract kind of either any way you crack this, right? You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't, he wasn't going to make more than 4.5 anyway. So, you know, you can sort of start starting in neutral, not you don't want steam to have to be forced to retire into retirement, but this does give you the flexibility you need to bring in that guy and, and kind of close that final unanswered loop from the off season. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of how they play around with it, I know people are going to say, well, go sign Mike Hoffman or go sign, you know, whoever. I don't really know who all is still out there. And, the, I, you know, I don't really 
I would love for them to get a, a one-year deal guy if that's a possibility and like boost their scoring a little bit. But at the same time, like I sort of understand if if Army wants to use all the spaces that are on the roster right now and sort of see what he has here, you know, because I, I feel like one, one of the things that this – one of the benefits of the fanless season, um, you know, for better or worse, is that you do have a little bit more flexibility to say, like, hey, I don't need to drag people to the building. You know, I don't need to really focus on, on attendance or anything, so I don't necessarily have to go make this – extra move to make sure that the team is is winning a, a ton of games and and you know i'm going to the playoffs regardless you know it would take it with the expanded playoffs presumably it would take um a pretty big shock to the system for the boys to miss i would think and so um yeah i don't know i don't my point is i don't know that he has to go sign someone I'm kind of lukewarm on it, I guess. It feels like, yeah, yeah, if we want to be a, the best team we can be this year, you definitely need more scoring and more of a threat there. If it fits your culture and your locker room, it makes sense. But at the same time, like if if you're looking at this season, as, as I think they kind of should, as sort of more of an evaluation period to see what the team is long term and who is, you know, part of the building blocks of the future and see what we look like with Tory Krug that we've now made this commitment to and and see who we lose to Seattle and, and answer a bunch of those questions, then I don't care as much. And if they don't sign anybody and save a few dollars, then that's kind of fine with me. How do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, it's, this feels like such a wash of a season. We already kind of talked about just wanting to get to the next like real season, mm-hmm. um, which we, you know, winning a cup this year won't be, won't mean anything less. Um, but it's just one of those things where, I'm fine if they don't sign somebody and it means that we have more space for our young guys where we can actually say, okay, is Jordan Cairo a thing or not, you know, sort of mm-hmm. thing where it's like, just, I honestly really just rather live or die with what we got just so we can say, yeah. okay, Zach Sanford is an okay player, but cannot be a second line winger. We've figured it out. Everyone, you know, sort of thing. doesn't mean that the blues will do anything with that information, but I think it would be nice. Um, just to see what you have, just to see what you have and say, okay, is this good enough? Do we have people in the wings coming down the pipe that can fill these roles or do we need to start making, you know, a couple changes here and there. And I think doing that without Mike Hoffman or someone else you're going to bring in, unless you think they might be a a more of a long-term fit, which I don't think is going to be when anyone signs any of these remaining guys sign like a long-term deal or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm fine with us just kind of rolling with what we got. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of more there. And I feel like if you'd asked me a couple months ago, I might've said differently. And I, I, maybe it's, it's my own negativity, but I, I don't have the highest expectations for this season for the team. And, and mm. we'll talk about that more in the coming weeks as we well, that's what I was gonna say, if you know, do our previews, it's kind but, of like a flip, a flip flop of things where it's like, I think we're fine this way, but this is also because I don't think we're going to do amazing this year we'll do yeah. fine we'll make the playoffs it'll be whatever yeah yeah but i'm not if yeah if you're doom either but no yeah but i mean but if you're someone i would say if you're someone they're like man if we need to we need to go for it we need to win the cup this year yada yada then i'm 100 with you yeah we need to get somebody else for mm-hmm. sure if that's what if that's the 
mindset you have, and I totally get why you'd want to sign somebody else and get some some like goal scoring help and everything, especially with Tarasenko out for like probably another month or so after the season starts. Um, yeah. But yeah, but if you're of the mindset like I think me and Steven are, where it's just kind of like, well, I'm not expecting that much from this team anyways. And if they do, I'll be surprised and I'll be happy, but I'm just, that's not where my head's at currently. Mm-hmm. And I don't think no need to waste any cap space on a guy that you, I don't know, the army gets, we talked about it on our last podcast, that army gets, you know, puppy eyes for, and it's like, you know what? Mike Hoffman needs a fucking three-year extension right now, baby. And you're like, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point too. And I, I, I feel like, army will look at it kind of the way we are you know he's been public before about his viewing things in kind of the short-term windows Mm -hmm. and and you know recognizing the natural ebbs and flows of a team and and i don't think he's going to delude himself into thinking that he's a he's got a better shot now than he did last year with an injured tarasenko with steen and bowmeister both gone with uh, Petrangelo gone and Allen gone, you know, and, and so many unanswered questions. I know we added Krug and, and I'm again, I'm not saying the team's bad, but I don't, it just doesn't seem like this would be the year that he'd pull the Ryan Miller where he's like, okay, I'm pulling out all the stops because I think we can win it this year sort of thing. You know, it just feels like that'd be really premature. And, and so I, I feel like he is more likely to pull back and kind of examine his cards and, and see what, to do and win and then maybe if he's if he's surprised by how good they are he can make a deadline move and have some flexibility there but um yeah i'd be kind of surprised if he made an immediate move but mm-hmm. we'll talk about some more of that in the coming weeks as we do you know um division previews and and of course you know being the future being what it is if we made a major move you may have already heard me in an insert <laughs> solo talking about our signing uh, you know, Mike Hoffman to a two-year $3.8 million deal or whatever. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> but, um, uh, but with all of that said, uh, I don't think it's necessarily likely. Let's look at who is remaining just for just for curiosity's sake. Chara's out there. Duquerre's still out there. Um, Char obviously not really a factor for our discussion. Mikhail Granlund is one I'm a, I'm a little more interested in. Yeah, like Eric Howell out there. Yeah, yeah. Kovalchuk and Hoffman. No thanks on the Kovalchuk. Is Koivu out there? I like, think he officially retired, but I'm not sure. Old Bones Koivu? Okay. You could bring back Carl Soderberg. We lost, one, we lost one Swede who was here a thousand years ago. Now we can bring in another. Uh, or Sammy Vatanen is is on defense who would be more interesting, but, you know, kind of already overloaded on the left side. So none of those guys, I mean, Hoffman is the one that stands above the rest of them in terms of, you know, ability to add something immediately to the team, I feel like. But none of those guys, I feel like, are you going to be sitting here kicking yourself that you didn't sign in a couple of weeks if, if it comes down to that. So. We yeah. will bring you updates uh, if they occur and may have already done so if they have occurred. But that's what it is. That's the story for right now. Alex Steen has retired. Uh, best wishes to him on his recovery. Congrats on the new baby. You know, we hope he's a long-term part of this franchise, even if he's not uh, on the ice any longer. And uh, yeah, you know, best of luck to him and his family. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist also sadly announced this morning that he has a a heart condition that's going to prevent him from taking the ice uh, with the Capitals. 
Uh, maybe it's a broken heart from not getting to finish his career with the New York Rangers. Uh, and I only comfortable making that pun because Lundqvist made it himself. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, this is sad. I don't, we don't have to linger here. It's, it's always sad to see the greats not get to kind of finish on their own terms. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you kind of assume that with a heart thing, much like with Bo Meester, it's like maybe if they could, if they can even get him to the point where it's like, yeah, you could probably play. Like, why would you take a chance? You're already a first ballot Hall of Famer, probably, and you know, you have already had this great career. So, like, how much is a Stanley Cup shot really worth it? You know, if that's really all you're going for at this point. But um, it is sad to, you know, obviously first and foremost concern, concerns about his health. Um, but also, you know, kind of sad to not see him get the opportunity to try that new home and, and advance his career the way he wanted to finish it. Uh, any thoughts on, on Lundquist before we move on? I mean, it's just too bad. And he'll be another year older. And it just feels like now's the time to retire. Don't, don't play a game with the Capitals. I was kind of all for it because I was like, hey, maybe they win you a cup this year. But, like, it just feels like with everything you've got going on, the only thing you're missing is a championship. And I know that means a lot to a lot of people and I'm sure to him as well. Um, but it just doesn't feel worth it when it has to do with your health and everything. And you're still, like you said, first bout hall of famer, uh, one of the all time greats in goal. And it's just like, you don't take the risk, go to retirement, be happy, be, be, uh, as uh, sexy as you've always been. Yeah, exactly. And he is, he is very, very sexy. So, uh, now, with all of that stuff, we didn't necessarily plan to have a ton of news to cover for this episode, so uh, we plan to do a, a Christmas extravaganza with some Christmas-themed, Christmassy Christmas things, and that's exactly what we're going to do, Ian. We're going to go through our, our wish list and our naughty or nice list, and it's going to be a grand old time. So, um, with the uh, Christmas extravaganza... How would you like to proceed? Do you want to go into these wish lists and uh, take turns? Or I know, I know there are some on yours that are also on mine. So maybe you can introduce your topics, and then I'll echo where I have, you know, agreement, and then I can do the ones that are unique to me. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, I think that works. All right. So why don't you take the lead on on the five or or so things that we want to see for the boys this year? Yeah, so number one on my wish list, no particular order, but I do think this is actually probably number one, is uh, I hope Tarasenko returns from his injury and is able to play a meaningful role in this team moving forward. I think uh, we've all sort of forgotten, maybe I'm projecting, I know I've forgotten how fun it is to watch him to play or watching him play. And like, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I look at, like, I've got three Tarasenko jerseys. Um, none of which are like a standard blues jersey and I just think of how much fun he is and just like a goal scoring machine and he's dynamic and he he's for as much as this team has always been like we need a setup guy for Tarasenko they've never like they've had Latera but they've never actually needed one he's been just fine on his own he's the Phil Kessel of goal scorers but that's what Phil Kessel is so I don't know he's the Phil Kessel of Russian goal scorers (laughs) and that like he, he can just do it on his own um, it might look mm-hmm. like he's kind of out there on his own when he does it, but like he can he can do it on his own, and I want to see him get back to that. And he's of all the players, I think on the Blues, like Steam, Petrangelo, everybody as they're retiring and leaving. I think when Tarasenko's gone, that'll be um, 
that'll be the weirdest one to me. That'll yeah. be the one where like my mind's kind of like, even though he was gone last year or whatever, it's just like my brain of like, huh? Don't we have that <laughs> Russian guy? And it's like, not anymore. You're like, what? Like my brain hurts. Like who's like other people score goals and he's been out and other people have done it. We've seen it happen, but in my head, I'm still kind of like, who's supposed to score then? <laughs> like, to be fair, I think that's a fair question on this team. Historically. Yeah, no, it certainly is um, for sure. So I just want to see him. I want to see him get back to form, even if it just means like, you know, I think we were all hoping for a bunch of 40 goal seasons and some people are like a 50 goal season and stuff with this being a shoulder injury and everything. I just want him to get like some 30 goal seasons under his belt again. I think if he just returned to where he was, I'd be more than happy um, because I think he's just a fun player. And like, when you watch like the interviews he has, he's just such a fun guy to listen to and he loves the sport and he loves the city. And it's just, I, I want to see him back. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't put that on my list purposefully because I knew that you had done that. That's the one I, I let myself look at in advance, but, um, well, or really just couldn't avoid looking at it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that I would echo all of that and, and just agree that, you know, he is he's very iconic to me and, and very much like the heart and soul of, of this team. And I think, you know, as much as we have made the argument on the negative side for you know with three shoulder surgeries on the same shoulder like that's a real concern and and there is no guarantee that he gets back and is ever the same full player that he once was the flip side of that argument is that he's still only like 29 and and you know is is otherwise fully healthy and it's it's hardly like he's washed you know so the shoulder surgery is successful and it does, you know, really repair everything and, and make it good to go again. He could still have a very nice end to his career and, you know, mm -hmm. potentially hit 500 goals and do all those awesome things that we always hoped that he would do. So, uh, you know, it's it's nerve wracking right now and you don't really know how he's going to be. But God, it'll be good if he, if he can be back and be healthy. That's going to really feel great and just be so fun to see him score those first couple of goals. And then, you know, that first time he gets on one of his heaters where he scores four or five mm -hmm. in like two or three games, you know, that'll be that'll be just a great feeling. So I definitely hope it happens this year. It'll be a Christmas miracle. Uh, Thomas, uh, my number two on my wish list is that Robert Thomas has a 60-point season, which means – a 40 point season and a 56 game season um, <laughs> because I mean, have a 60 point season, a 56 game season, you know, like go for it, Robert, you do it. But it's like, I just, I'd like, um, I'd like some high level production from him. And it's not to say that I was disappointed in any of these previous years. It's just that I think, think he can do it. I think he's in a position to do it. I think with, you know, guys retiring and leaving and him, just be playing a prominent role on like the first line and stuff. Um, I think he's positioned to do it. And I think almost of any of these things, possibly, I think it might be the most, the one that's most likely. Maybe that's mm -hmm. just me hoping beyond hope. Maybe that's my Christmas cheer, but I hope <laughs> that uh, I think Thomas can do it. I think you get a 60 point season um, asterisk for this season. I think that'd be amazing. I think that would kind of, uh, I don't think there's many Thomas doubters out there, but I think it would kind of show like, yeah, see, this guy is elite and this guy can be on the first line and it's, and can't play a center. I don't know how they're going to get him to play center on the first line, but whatever uh, it'll happen. And I think it'd be great. Yeah. Agreed. Um, this was one of mine that I did write down. Uh, 
and have little doubt that you would echo something somewhere. It's a little counterintuitive, really, because if he has his breakout year this year, he's actually going to be in position to demand a, a bigger, more robust contract. But I kind of don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just want you know, I just want to see it. And and he's still so young. It's not like okay, if he if he still has kind of a middling season this year, it's not like you you need to press the panic button at all. Because um, mm-hmm. I think he's only 21, right at this point, maybe 22. So I mean, he's he's still super young. Yeah, 21 won't be 22 until the playoffs, July 2nd. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I would. I'd, don't really have any doubt that he can and, and will eventually do it, but would love to see it crystallize this season. And I think the team really needs it too, and and has kind of put him in a position where they're sort of expecting it because of the other people that aren't here anymore and that are are moving away and moving out. So mm-hmm. I want to see it. Speaking more to our our young players, uh, number three on my wish list is that Kairu solidifies himself on this team. And all I mean by that is plays like the majority of the games a season, <laughs> you know, isn't one of the, on the wheel of bodies, isn't being switched out from a Kekron and stuff. If he can be on any one of the top three lines consistently, I don't care if it's one, two or three, um, I'll be happy. I just want to see him get some NHL time. And it's the same thing we were just talking about earlier. No Mike Hoffman, no filler that we, we uh, purchased real quickly off the market to put in on this team, just give Kairu and some of these guys time. And I want to just, this can be a growing season. This can be a learning season for the blues to see what they have in some of these players. But I think he most certainly of anyone needs to have the space um, to show us what he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Kairu is not on my list, but uh, agreed that he, I w- I'm I'm kind of sick of hearing the Kairou doubt. I'm kind of sick of, of hearing that, you know, well, he's smaller and scored a lot of points in the OHL, which must mean he's Tyratty and therefore a bust. Um, you know, I, I, there there are certain certain segments of the boys fan base that are never going to get over that prejudice, I don't think, and and never mm. going to get over their kind of face punchy tendencies. And and that's fine. That's a different style of hockey. And, and I get it that, that you do like the physicality and the size never has, you know, hurt someone in the NHL, but um, more than anything, kind of like you said, or, or a different take on what you said, I'd like to see him prove himself to the doubters who, you know, maybe won't, maybe won't after this season believe that he's a superstar, but at least can see his role and, and put him in kind of that Sanford tier, that Blay tier where it's like, okay, this is a guy that I know is part of this team and, and has something to offer, even if he hasn't quite broken through into what I think he will eventually, which is a really top tier of, of scoring forwards in the league. But, um, you know, I'm not relying on that to come this season. And some of that depends on the role that Craig Berube allows him to play. But um, definitely want to see him sparkle. And he will. Uh, I hope Justin Fox sparkles. That's my that's my fourth thing on the wish list. Justin Fox Our returns sweet little to stoner his, child. Yeah, he moves out of the basement. He has his own place. It's off of uh, it's off of Kings it's Highway. A, it is a duplex. It's a duplex, yeah. but that's fine. You know, people people live in duplexes and do just fine for themselves. So yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> A, uh, I'm saying a 10 plus goal season from him would be fun. That's a seven plus goal season, a 56 <laughs> game season. We all have to remember these things. Um, 
I like that you've manipulated these math numbers in advance. Yeah, he's had a 10-plus goal season in four of his nine seasons in the NHL. Uh, there was one recently, I think, the season before uh, last, I guess the second-to-last season with Carolina would be the way to phrase it. Um, I think he can do it. I think he's, again, better positioned to do it with uh, Petrangelo gone, being in a top-four position on the right side where he feels more comfortable. Um, get some power play time because like Petrangelo played on our power play did he not even though like he wasn't really like wasn't bad but he just wasn't like yeah I mean it was a power play quarterback yeah so it's like I'd love to see Falk in that position uh, on one of those two power plays even the first power play um, if it makes the most sense but yeah I think I think he will I think we said this in predictions earlier I think Tori Krug who everyone's going to think is the shiny new toy is going to have a little bit of a hard time adjusting. Um, I don't know why. I just feel like that will happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll be better off. But then I think Justin Falk will surprise some people because he had a year under his belt on this new team. He's in a more uh, prominent role than what he was used in last year and a role he fits a lot better. And so I think I think my wish is just for him to, to return to form. Yeah, agreed. He was That was also on my list. And you know, it's kind of fun. It's always fun for the fans, for the Twitter fans, to have a, a whipping boy that they kind of scapegoat for a lot of the team's oh, problems. Yeah. But um, we're honestly just too invested in Justin Falk to not hope the best. Whether it, whether it's having a great season that we can then kind of lure Ronnie Francis to take him to Seattle and run away with him and, and just take, you know, get the risk off the table with that contract or or whether he does stay here and become a long-term part of this team. Like that deal is not going away. It's not just going to evaporate. And, um, you know, I think we all have to root for the best form. And, and I do apart from that, cause I think he's a, a good guy and a, a good player. And I think he has a lot to prove and, and offer to this team at his best. But um, you know, when you're talking about still paying him 6.5 million through 2027, um, that's uh that's a yikes if uh if he doesn't improve over last season so uh definitely something you're gonna you gotta really root for probably to me one of maybe the most universal should be on your wish list if you're a blues fan this year um is seeing justin falk you know kind of break that slump and and he sort of did it in the playoffs i think a little bit he looked like one of our better players in the bubble um Mm -hmm. And, you know, he looked a lot better, too, when uh, after Scandella got here, they they found some rhythm and we had that eight game winning streak going into the, you know, when the COVID stopped the season. So, you know, I think there's reason for optimism there and 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 an obvious narrative for why last season was tough and this season wasn't won't be so tough, which you all detailed with the position and opportunity. But, yeah, I'm just really really hopeful because it's going to suck if he can't break out of that. Yeah. I was like, then at least you know who the whipping boy is. Then you're like, no doubt about it. Um, and my final thing on my wish list is that Bennington is a great season, but not too great because uh, I love Bennington to prove that last year uh, wasn't a sophomore slump. He did all right, but you know, it wasn't as good as uh, his first year here, his first half a year here. And I, I think he can still do it. I think he is positioned to try and I like that word position uh, <laughs> to prove like prove all that, the haters uh, wrong. Ariana Grande song. I know it's lovely. That's such a good song. It's a bump. Um, but you know, I I think that fits who he is. Is like he had a kind of a crappy time in the bubble, and now he's going to try and prove everybody wrong that he is that he's a better player than that. And I think he is. 
but I don't want them to prove them too hard and have like a 940 <laughs> or something ridiculous. I don't think I have to worry too much about that, but we know who Bennington is. He's, if we're being honest, he's pretty much like the David Backus thing or the Jonathan Taves thing or the Brad Marchand thing where it's like, you know what, when they're on your team, I love them. Great. Mm-hmm. Perfect. They're your baby boy. And then when they're gone and they're on some other team, fucking can't stand them. <laughs> where it's like I told when people like don't like Jordan Bennington and there's blues fans are like I don't understand I'm like oh you understand, oh, I understand. <laughs> like yeah, come on for now. sure um I, 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 I forgot again like, that pushing match with Kyle Clifford last year and then I forget that Kyle Clifford is on this team now and I'm like oh that's fun that's freaking weird yeah that's weird to think about um yeah I, I always like that narrative like what do you hate this guy and it's like because he's a tool and you know he's a tool <laughs> let's not pretend like we don't tool. have to pretend i love jordan bennington but he's a tool and he's our tool and that's fine you know <laughs> and that's the like, thing is like know know your you know know your enemy and then know your friend in the sense that bennington <laughs> is uh going if he has a really good season if he has an even just okay season uh is going to be demanding quite a bit as a ufa and oh, yeah. he might be able to hold you over a barrel because let's say let's say um Huso just has a shitter of a season, you know, as a backup. And you're like, well, we can't run with that, dude. Uh, I don't know what the goalie market is this this upcoming summer. I don't think it's going to be nearly as a banger one as uh, this past mm. summer. And it's like, you might just have to pay the guy. I mean, if it's something ridiculous, yeah. obviously not. But if it's just something where it's like, man, that's like a million more than I wanted. It's like, well, what are you going to do? So right. yeah, I hope I hope he plays well enough that if he does demand a, a fair amount of cash, it's actually worth it. Um, but we'll see. I think that's like the, I think that's the sleeper story of this year. And maybe it'll become mm-hmm. bigger and bigger as we get closer to the end of the season. But I think how he does and what he's going to ask for this summer, because we don't have that much behind him, um, is going to be kind of the question. We have a lot of nice prospects. I don't think we have anybody ready for sure. Um, mm. So you got to hope that either he plays all right, good enough, and doesn't demand too much, uh, or you have to kind of hope that Huso looks like he's ready, because um, otherwise we get really yeah. ugly, and nobody wants yeah, full on Christmas. No, I definitely think that is, uh, is the, the big season, the big story of the season in some ways is goalie performance, and I know there will be people, you know, especially if Bennington struggles or walks or anything like that, who will say, see, we should have just kept going, and uh, just mm-hmm. to counter that narrative out of the gate, this team could never just say, okay, Jake Allen's our starter again. That that ship <laughs> had sailed. That horse was gone. That wasn't a possibility. So, you know, but uh, still with trading Allen and, and, you know, I don't deny one of the best backups in the league um, who, you know, at least has that ability to step in as a starter for long stretches. Um you do leave yourself vulnerable and you do leave empty questions. And with one year left on Bennington's deal and Hughesale getting his first opportunity, there are just a ton of questions. So yeah, I think you put it perfectly perform well, uh, but not too well. And, and then we can, you know, find a nice little four year, $5 million deal or something to keep you around and go forward with that. So, um, so yeah, those were, uh, I, I, specifically stole the the thomas and the flock ideas but had you know certainly don't agree with and disagree with anything you said uh for my wish list um i'll start at i'll start at the bottom here a little bit and and move around because i've got some sillier ones uh down lower here i wanted to wear the reverse retros a lot 
I don't <laughs> really, but I do kind of like them more than most people. And I will gladly just bathe in the hatred from the people that really don't like them uh, because I think they're kind of sharp and look bold. And so I'm, I'm, I would much rather the Twitter controversy be over uh, sweaters that people don't like rather than, uh, you know, like Justin Fox sucking or, you know, whether Jake Allen should die or something like that. So, <laughs> um, and uh, another one kind of silly, but I hope this team either goes deep in the playoffs or misses them. And, and that's a little bit of a joke, but like, I, I would love to have a better, uh, the kind of the nicer read of that is I would love to have a better view of what this team is overall after this season. And I'd love mm. to just get a realistic picture of who they are. So I don't obviously really want them to miss the playoffs, but at the same time, wouldn't be the worst thing to get a good draft pick. Although next year's draft sucks naturally, I think so. Um, but um you know, that wouldn't be the worst thing for us. And at the same time, if we're going to go into the playoffs, I hope we prove that like, yeah, we are built for success and we can get into the second or third round or whatever. And, and this is a team current as currently construed, that's just going to keep getting better. And, and you can add pieces, but you know, that the core that is intact, even without Petrangelo, without Allen, without steam, without Bowmeister is still a core that can compete. And so you don't have to worry about too much long-term and, and you can kind of move ahead either direction that goes. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable and okay with, I obviously, would prefer they continue to be competitive uh but there's always fun for me in a in a more of a retool too and adding new faces so i just don't want this like first round exit again where it's like well you know there was a lot of change and it's the bubble uh whenever i'm doing a gm voice that uh is indifferent towards things i just automatically go into john mazela so sorry about that but you know there was a bubble and a lot of change and uh, we just can't be held accountable for what the team did this year sort of thing. You know, like I really want to know more about who we are and, and kind of um, in partnership with that. And, and more specifically, I really want to know who Sammy Blay and Zach Sanford are by the end of this season. Mm -hmm. I, I almost don't care which way they go, but, but move into a gear and stay there. You know, if Zach Sanford's going to be a 25 goal scorer, then be score 18 goals this year, whatever the fractional percentage would have to be. You didn't calculate that one in advance, but like, you know, if, if he's a, a top six, middle six guy, who's really a, a scoring winger and maybe a power play asset, then I want to see him do it. And if, if Sammy plays a, a 20 goal scorer and a, a physical body that, you know, can be a net parent peasants, I want to see him do it. And if they're not, then that's fine. I don't hold anything against them. And I I'm fine if they stay here a couple more years, but I also want to kind of mentally downshift them into more of that, like Magnus pay RV level where I'm like, this is a guy that does a role here and I'm fine with him sticking around. But I also don't think that we have to like build the franchise around this guy or like really worry about where he is long-term you know, and if the right trade opportunity comes up and he, he makes sense as a throw in or something like none of that's going to bother me. What do you think about those guys? Yeah, I just, I, I agree. I want to, them to prove who they are, whether it's a, you know, a reliable player for the second or third line or not. Um, that's the thing is like you list everyone out like on lines or like Thomas O'Reilly, um, Schwartz or whatever okay and then you got Shen and Perron or something and you're like okay um can't even get the O'Reilly Perron pairing because it's been so long uh <laughs> and then you're kind of like okay well who's the sixth guy 
and you're like, oh, Samford. And you're like, okay. I mean, even right now, I'm like, all right. <laughs> and then from there, you're kind of back down to like people that sort of make sense. And you're more like a Bozak, Blay, whoever. And you're like, all right, yeah, that makes Tyler more Bozak's sense. Tyler on this team. That's crazy. Right. That's wild. That, that's going to be nuts when we don't sign him. And I mean, Steam's gone already. And it's just like, I don't know. Our, our bottom six is going to be in complete flux. But I don't know. Yeah, I look at Zach Sanford there, Sammy Blay on that second line, and I've said it before, and it just doesn't feel like the right fit. They can prove me wrong, and it's not like I'm looking for some like showstopper on the second line because maybe on the first line or whatever. But I do need someone that can consistently like put up twenty-ish goals, you know, mm-hmm. on that line. Um, I guess you have. I guess you have David Perron, really. But it's sort of like I just like there to be a counter argument on the left, you know, just to have somebody there that's going to get me in the teens at the very least. And Zach Sanford was actually in that conversation last year. Uh, I think would have finished like projected to finish like with 22 or something. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's not or that he can't do it. It's just I need to see him do it consistently. And he's yeah. was his was can be sort of as I don't know younger. <laughs> How old is he? Mm-hmm. Like 25. It's like you're you can still have a little improvement as far as like offensive awareness and, and uh, points go. So I think there's room for it. I just like to see it. And like you said, rather than have him fade into a Magnus PRV role, it's like, well, he hit 11 this year. And you're like, ah, oh, god damn it. Well then, well, then he's not the answer. I don't want us to be like, well, next season after that, we got to see if Zach Sanford rebounds. And it's like, no, I don't want all these like, will he, will he not until he's like, 28 and then we're like oh i guess the zach sansbury experiment failed and it's like yeah it failed four years ago um and again maybe he's a fine third liner or something but it's like you just need to fill that role on the second line and so to bring it back you just have to kind of know who it is that you have in sanford and boy yeah yeah i think uh i think you said it well uh also on my uh on my list is is give me a surprise breakout performance you know, I think it's been a while since we've had that kind of like, mm-hmm. hey, Jake Wallman's coming up. Oh, just kidding. It's Vince Dunn. Or like, you know, who's Colton Fareko and Joel Evans oh, and yeah. other ballers? That's who, you know, <laughs> like, so whoever that it could be, whether it's, uh, you know, your Mikolas or your, um, I don't know, even like an Austin Paganski or somebody, Nolan Stevens. I don't know who it is. There's probably more opportunity for it this year with the taxi squad situation, presumably mm-hmm. somewhat happening. But um yeah i would love to see it i mean costin would be less of a surprise but he'd be kind of the biggest reward and and most fan favorite sort of thing um but uh yeah i mean i'd just love to see that this year you'd always love to see that obviously um but it would just would be a really nice thing to have another guy where you're like oh i thought he was maybe a a c player or a d player and now he's maybe like a B player and that'd be cool. You know, like just somebody fits in. I think, you know, you are looking at like maybe Mikola and, and Costin as, as probably the two most likely to sort of do that. But if it's somebody else, I'm, I'm definitely down for it too. Um, and then my, my last one is, is I'd love an army trade. I mean, I'd always love an army trade, but give me one. I think the, the franchise personally, we talked about a little before, um, I think that we're probably going to need some major changes before we're really competitive again. Not that there's not that this team right now isn't strong, but I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a cup contender. I could be totally wrong. Um, But when you look at how good the golden Knights and the avalanche and even the stars 
and um, the Lightning and and some of those teams are like, I don't know. Can you see this roster beating them in a seven game series? I can't, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, whatever, you know. I I kind of look at it if if you're looking at at Army's sort of kind of four year window thing or whatever he talks about. Like I kind of look at this as more of a year one than a year four, and like more like you're watching Robert Thomas to mature and, and you're seeing if Tarasenko's healthy and then, you know, you're kind of finding pieces that complement them and complement O'Reilly, obviously, who's still got a lot to give and you're figuring out what your new blue line looks like. But with all that said, an army trade gives you a lot of excitement, gives you a lot of uh, intrigue and new, new faces and, you know, give me the Kachucks. I know he can't. I know <laughs> that this will never happen, and it's just a pipe dream that I will fulfill in NHL 21 year after year after year. Well, not 21, I guess it'd be whatever year it was. But, um, but God, I just it feels right. And I know, I know that those people in Ottawa and the people in in uh, Calgary aren't like sleeping on how good those players are. They're very aware. But God, I just want them. I want that Thomas Kachuk line so badly. Um, so, so Brady, Matthew, if you're listening, and I know you are, don't sign, don't uh, do a, do a bridge deal, walk <laughs> yourselves right up to UFA, give yourself the flexibility and come home like, uh, like P Diddy, you know, coming home, coming home, tell the world, Brady and Matthew Kachuk are coming home and it's going to be beautiful. And we'll be the first NHL super team <laughs> where players have man- manipulated the rules of free agency to come to St. Louis as as team as players so often <laughs> as they should as all players should yes exactly so that's my wish list any comments on any of that before we move on to the close here i do hope for uh, army trade i think those are obviously just like the most fun and i think that'd be that'd bring a little bit of uh light to i guess it's not 20 it won't be 2020 anymore but it's 2021 as we pull out of all yeah. this stuff that'd be nice you go, oh, look, the this. trades are the tr- trades are returning to their natural <laughs> habitat. <laughs> uh, all this mess will be gone. Now we have uh, a segment I'm going to call Naughty or Nice. Ian, you're going to have to play along with me a little bit here because those words are a stretch for some of these questions. Mm-hmm. But uh, a couple of categories here. Um, just your quick overall thoughts on will these things be naughty or nice? And I'll describe what, what each of these means, uh, in, in context. So for this first group of four, naughty means that it won't happen and nice means that it will happen. Okay. Okay. So, um, the first one is there's been a lot of talk about having a game at Lake Louise or Lake, uh, you know, some, some outdoor arena, really truly outdoor, not just an open air stadium, but an actual outdoor location where they can set something up and have cameras, et cetera. Is that going to happen or not? Uh, I don't think so. I think that'd be nice, but I don't think so. Yeah. I, I don't like that the NHL, I don't think that the NHL is that creative. Uh, so I don't think it's likely to happen. And breaking news as we do this podcast, which of course will not be breaking in any way, shape, or form as you hear this, uh, the Florida Panthers are signing UFA winger Anthony Duclair for $1.7 million uh, for one year. So that's one of the names we've already discussed off the list. Um, and, you know, as we've talked about before, it seems like that could certainly be the domino effect where you just see them all fall down right after that happens. Um, so we'll know. 
we'll know mm-hmm. soon, I guess. Uh, we may know by this podcast whether Mike Hoffman or, or anyone else has signed. Uh, but yeah, I kind of agree with you on uh, on uh, Lake Louise. I, it's just too cool of a thing for the NHL to arrange it. You know, it would be too cool to see the, the Maple Leafs play the Canadians uh, in an outside um, rink like that. And so it's just not going to happen, I feel like, you know. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't be uh, Gary, Bettman, Gary Bettman's way. Um, that's my take anyway. Uh, number two, naughty or nice. A team misses more than 10 games due to COVID. Um, as naughty means it will happen in this case. I guess in this case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's most certainly going to happen. <laughs> 10 game, more than 10 games. Uh, a lot. 10, 10 is, is a lot. more, I guess. Okay. Maybe not 10 more, games. More or less than eight. Seven. Let's do Seven. Seven. I'm going to say less than seven in the sense in my Ooh. head, all I can think of is like six. My head is like six. <laughs> okay. Well, six is a serious number. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I'm certainly not minimizing the pandemic in any way, but it does feel like by the time they actually get going, I think this current spike is going to have slowed down a little bit. Um, and then, you know, who knows how, how soon they'll be allowed to get an injection. I just saw, uh, on Instagram, um, one of my friends who is a nurse getting uh, a shot in her story, which I can only assume is the COVID uh, vaccine, I hope for, you know, her sake and, and the world's sake, but uh, because she's a nurse, you know, so those are starting to travel and they're going to travel fast. And uh, Dr. Fauci has talked about, you know, even as, as soon as kind of June or so, you could talk about a, a basically back to normal scenario. And so, um 10 does 10 does feel like a lot but it's evolving and we'll see it is going to be winter they are going to be traveling so be interesting to see ian are we going to have nice a first time mvp or naughty a repeat a uh you know repeat mvp candidate i think you're gonna have a repeat mvp candidate uh i think let's be the naughty i think they'll have a repeat just because i think with as much time as folks have had off uh, to to get some of those injuries under control, um, I think you're going to see some of these veteran players, you know, a, a Sidney Crosby or something, just have like an amazing shortened season, and and really light it up. Um, I would love to have a new MVP, but I just I just I see one of those like I don't know top ten dudes that's normally in the conversation just doing it again. I mean, oh yep, that this is I see the headlines being written already. You thought whoever was done, but they're not done. And they're back to, you know, Evgeny Malkin says, no thanks or whatever. And he's back to form. Um, I don't even know if he's ever been MVP, but yeah, just like, I think, I think that's the way it's going to go. Was he when he was super Malkin probably? Um, I really, I really weirdly feel the opposite. Uh, I feel like uh, this is going to be the year where somebody spikes not a COVID case, but uh, yeah, 2012 Hart and Lindsay Award when when Crosby was hurt. Uh, I feel like somebody's gonna spike and like have that season because it's shorter and because it's you know weird circumstances where they like have a crazy year and they get the MVP and then people are gonna be like that guy won a Hart Trophy for the rest of his career and then he's not gonna be that good anymore. Mm, a real uh, Jamie Ben. I was going to say kind of your Taylor Hall situation. I mean, oh. I'm talking about, but 
not that Taylor Hall's a bad player, but just like a heart trophy player. I don't know. So uh, the name that's that's like lodged lodged in my craw for some reason is Pierre-Luc Dubois is that guy who's like obviously very good, but I can mm-hmm. see in like a, a weird circumstance where he's like, well, I put up 80 points in 56 games. This is a, a French um, French Canadian accent in my head. Uh, and, uh, you know, gets the heart trophy. But anyway, it just feels like it could be that weird thing. But you're probably right. It's probably boring. The league likes boring. So, mm-hmm. um, and naughty or nice, do the St. Louis boys make the playoffs? I think this one's probably pretty easy for us. I think, I think nice. I think they'll make it uh, in either whatever division they're in. I think yeah. they're going to be top four in whatever division they're in. Um, Certainly if it's expanded at all, no question. Oh, yeah, asked, yeah, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, they're not going to fall off the table that badly. Yeah. I think. See the positive notes. <laughs> there we go. Uh, will these players be naughty, have a bad season, or nice, have a good season? Uh, and all of these people are in new locations or new, uh, some circumstances. I think all but one of them are in a new location. Um, just kind of a handful of people I thought of on the top of my head. Alex Petrangelo, is he going to fit right in as a as a Golden Knight or uh, is he going to struggle a bit? I think he's going to have a naughty season. I think there's just too much shit that I've, I guess he or the front office, you know, stirred up bringing him in. That I, I don't know. I can't see how that doesn't affect that team. I could be wrong. Maybe they just plow right through and they're the same golden nights of the last three years we've always seen. But I, there's something about it that I feel like, is this the straw that like breaks the camel's back a little bit? Is this the fucking turd that, uh, you know, stains the bowl? <laughs> like, you know, you can't clean, you can't clean toilets. They just they stain forever. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe he has a fine season and the golden nights don't, but I think he's going to, I think he's going to struggle a little bit. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, uh, and I do think it's, we can't keep pretending that the Vegas Golden Knights are kind of this miracle franchise for very long when they keep spending money and making gigantic trades and, and they're basically unrecognizable from that original expansion team of, of four seasons ago, which is unbelievably long ago now. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it, it it definitely feels like he's going to struggle a little bit to establish himself, which is not going to say that the contract's going to be a bust or anything. He'll still be solid defensively, but you know, uh, flip side of that coin. And you've already touched on this a little bit. Tory Krug going to struggle a little bit to adjust to the blues. You think? I think so. I think just, again, it's a new team. He's been on the Bruins for so long. And I think he's, I don't know how he was necessarily utilized in Boston, but just being like the guy on the left for us now. Um, I don't know. I think it's somebody kind of big shoes to fill for him. So maybe he even does all right, but I think people are going to be like, is this, that's Tory Krug. I thought Tory Krug was, you know, this 60 point guy. And it's like, well, maybe, or maybe, but he's this year he had whatever, I guess, I don't know. Cause with 56 games in a traditional season, uh, he gets like, 38 and people are like what i thought you were an offensive <laughs> juggernaut buddy or something so i'm sure he'll be fine in the long run and i'd love for him to prove me wrong this is nothing against him or anything i've even seen in the stats i just have a hunch that it's going to be a little bit of a struggle 
Yeah, that's fair. I kind of agree. I mean, I, you know, it's it's always yeah. hard to adjust to a new team and a, yeah. a really team-focused sport, too. You know, it's not like baseball where you come to a new environment, but your your production and your play is still really independent. You've got to learn new systems and new roles and new players and, and preferences and got to mm-hmm. know where your, where your boys up front like they're one-timers, you know, front foot. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Uh, a different player hasn't moved, but was the league's MVP last year uh, under, uh, you know, we, we debated at the time whether a guy who was minus seven and scored, um, let's see, over 40 of his points on the power play should be a, an MVP. But Dreisaitl had 110 points in 71 games last year, building off 105.82 game season the season prior. Do you think Dreisaitl uh, will be an MVP caliber player again, or do you think he's going to take a step back? Um, I think he's going to take a step back. Like uh, he's not going to get a hundred points in a 56 game season, Stephen. let's be realistic. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know, but he's con- kind of consistently good. I still think it's a step. Back. I don't not know. a major it's one. Just not, sucks. Yeah. Just not, just not quite as good. Maybe we'll say this year. Yeah, I think so too. I don't have any questions about uh, him as a long-term player, but um, you know, I do think last season was probably kind of his pinnacle, and uh, you know, some of that he's not McDavid hype is going to die out too. Jacob Markstrom now uh, with the um, Flames and a little bit nicked up. Do you think he gets off to a good start there or loses ground? Um, you know, I think if he could play well in goal in front of the Vancouver defense, then uh, I think he can play well in front of the Flames defense, quite honestly. Yeah. Like, and I just, I that's and, a good point. and that's not, uh, <laughs> that's not saying anything good about the Flames. No, it's um, really just daggering the Canucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he'll be fine there. I think if anything, he'll probably be the one bright spot on that team. Cause I really do think the rest of the Flames, like they got Tanev and uh-huh. They kind of still have the same team that's not – I mean, that's Well, they did good. lose P.J. Brody. Maybe he was a locker room cancer. You never know. You never know. Paul Stastny back with the Jets where he found temporary success after we traded him. <laughs> Naughty or nice Paul Stastny who played uh, uh, Super Nest in your basement one time. Oh, I did. Um, I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I hope my friend Paul um, – I hope he has an amazing season. Like, I, I don't know if it'll yeah. happen. I hope he has a bonkers season because you know what I hope he does? I hope he shoots, um, I hope he shoots a fucking Line's fucking <laughs> worth through the roof. I hope Line oh, yeah. has like some 50 goal season and then the Jets are stuck with this like, oh, God damn it. Well, God damn it. We can't <laughs> trade him. And they're like, he's still like this stupid, he's just this awful fork knife player or whatever. But like, <laughs> we have to keep him now and then like i don't know how long does paul stay like he's got like a year two years left or something left on his deal yeah he just evaporates he's gone and then patrick line sucks again and they're like we left we waited too long like god damn it i just really want him to do well because i like paul stasney but i also want him to do well just to screw the jets over with patrick line because i'm pretty sure they played really well together when he was there so yeah i didn't realize that shovel day off had just like straight up openly said like yeah we should probably trade this guy yeah and like, like yeah. and line agent was like yeah trade would be mutually beneficial 
Um, but uh, yeah, he's a weird player and uh, enigmatic and, and hard to trade. So I agree. I uh, wish Paulie Walnuts all the best in any circumstance, but I do think he found a lot of chemistry there with the Jets and, and hopefully we'll continue it. And finally, Matt Murray in a new home, a new location. Um, how do you feel about him? Do you think he's going to be? I think he's going to be nice. I hope he's nice. Yeah, I think um, so too. I think he'll regain uh, from kind of his struggles the last couple of seasons and not be maybe the player he was in his first couple of years where he was winning cups, but just be a solid goal taker. I want to see, I want to see the Ottawa Senators do well more than almost any other Canadian team, um, mm-hmm. which is weird because I don't really think I even felt like that like two years ago. Um, and maybe because they were just so shitty and they hadn't even really started the rebuild well, yet. It's but because it, you started reading Eugene Melnick's blog, I'm sure that's. Oh really yeah, yeah, yeah. Around. I mean, I gotta, I gotta know his his thoughts on this. You know, a blog is a lot like a McDonald's, Stephen. You can move it anywhere, <laughs> <laughs> any domain. Um, yeah, I, I hope Matt Murray does well. I think I agree with you. I think he will. I think he's. I don't know. I've. There's so many goalies that have shown that they can be a flash in the pan and they're not good, that the statement is dumb, but I don't think he's a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think he can do it. I agree. And then we can move through these fairly quickly because I know you do have to hit the road tonight. But uh, naughty or nice on these teams, meaning naughty, they miss the playoffs. Nice, they make the playoffs. Let's assume that it's a 20-team playoff for the purposes okay. of this contest the ottawa senators we just talked about them are they going to take enough of a step forward to make a 20 team playoff in an all canadian division that'd be fun i'd really like them to be the montreal canadians of last playoffs you know Uh where they make it in and then they make some noise um they will not though they will not make the 20 (laughs) team playoff i'm so sorry Speaking of last year's Montreal Canadiens, the Pittsburgh <laughs> Penguins, whom they eliminated, are they going to miss the playoffs altogether this year, Ian? No, they'll be nice. They'll make the playoffs. I don't think they'll make it very far, but they'll make it. I think you're right about both of these so far, but you've chosen the most boring option. The Florida <laughs> Panthers, are they going to make the 20-team playoffs? Yeah, I think they will. Um, you think Bobrovsky I, recovers a little bit this year? And I'd, lo- I'd like him better? to. I'd like him to. I don't want him saddled with that god awful contract forever. I mean, think about that. If you're that team, you you just have to. You have to be like, I I really hope you're better because if you're not, (laughs) then we're just we're fucked. We can't do anything with you. Spencer Knight's ready. We're we're pretty much screwed. Yeah. They brought in um, that goalie coach guy. That's not a goalie coach anymore. The French guy. Yeah, yeah. The older guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's what that's what I was going to say. That's what you have to do if you're like, he's stuck yeah. on this team. We just have oh, no. to make you better. You start pumping that dude with Roy. Every, every dollar you invest in that team right now has to be to making Sergei Bobrovsky a better fit. Because, like, that's where all your money is going anyway. You might as well save your investment. I think uh, I think they make it, but I don't know why. I think <laughs> Bill yeah. Zito is going to turn him around. Toronto Maple Leafs, naughty or nice. Nice, they'll make it. Yeah, I know. I just wish they wouldn't. Arizona Coyotes, that crap stain of a franchise. Naughty or nice? In a Pacific division where half of the teams are a total joke. Yeah, they've been very naughty. Um, I kind of hope they miss. (laughs) I'm full. I kind of went to the whole, like, you know what? I want Arizona to stay there. I want to be successful. And I do, mainly for the jerseys, quite honestly. Um, Yep. 
but now I'm kind of on the full bore, like, just get them the hell out of there. And if it means you guys are to just, just suck beyond sucking, then yeah, you got us. Sorry. Agreed. Agreed. I don't, I'm kind of over them. The New York Rangers, our favorite squad, our number one squad. They'll make it. They get, they'll make it. Yeah, I think they will too. Um, I'll see a big year from left in the air. Uh, I don't know if you'll have taffy. it, but I'd love to see it. I love I love laughing here. I want I'm ready. I'm my body's ready for it. Oh, dog's my ready, dog's for, ready it too. for it. <laughs> and finally, we already talked about them. The St. Louis Blues. We both think they'll be nice and make the playoffs. Yeah, they'll make it. They'll make it. How far they'll make it? That's that's for us to determine. And for my dog. Our your dog is very vocal, folks. The dog's ready for Ian to get out of here. We're all ready to. Uh, celebrate the holidays and enjoy our our christmas or our chinooka as smoky robinson says or or whatever else you might celebrate this time of year uh it's a festive time we hope you all enjoy it ian any parting words for the folks before uh you take your christmas vacation which is highly expensed by the two guys one oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm taking it all out of the coffers um you know have a have a have a chill chinooka everybody <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, everybody. Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you soon. Till here.